Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode 135, and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And as always, we're bringing you interesting discussions with diverse voices, and to help us out with our venture into the Wild West is My Matter Story editor, Lara Lee Green. Lara Lee, Hi. welcome back. Happy to be back. And we're happy to have you. Everyone's happy. Happy, happy, happy. So we last had a conversation, we brought you on, we just like drag people back in. I checked the, the records last time you were here, we were talking about Up. Um, I believe we had some kind of existential crisis or maybe that was just me um, about that, as we tend to do with <laughs> animated films. I don't know what it is about animation and this podcast. <laughs> so let's see what happens this time. Uh, you can subscribe to Story X Story wherever you get your podcast from. And if it's not there, let us know and then we can shove it there. Uh, you can also send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com or throw them at us on social media. We are at myamada on Twitter, at myamada TV on Instagram and TikTok, or at Tazzy on everything. Also, keep a lookout for the new Studio 77 membership, which we are working on in the background. Uh, it's coming at some point in spring and will give access to our video content that we do for live streams and uh, record for later digital comic illustration content uh, and early access to tickets to our MyMeta events. And we've got news on those events coming up uh, in the coming weeks. And uh, and this episode, actually, uh, I'll hold tight for a few seconds. Uh, you can also join our Discord for free today and be part of the MyMeta universe, meet others in the community, chat with us uh, as well. And we'll have more on the membership in the coming weeks and months. So before we jump into today's story discussions, let's update you with the latest from the Mayamada Network. One of the things we have event-wise is part of our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign, which we launched in 2022. And the idea was to promote inclusion and diversity in the video games industry. So we had a good response, had a lot of people taking part. Um, so that was great and the need still remains. So we decided to make the campaign a yearly initiative, which will be building on the work that we did last year and continuing that push for diversity in games, culture, and the industry. So this means a new schedule of events and a new photo shoot, which we've just about done by the time you listen to this. But we've been taking a snapshot of 40 players and makers to showcase the representation that does exist today in hopes that it can inspire future generations of diverse talent. Uh, so while we work through all the photos, get the website sorted and the events scheduled and all that, we're going to be revealing more at the campaign launch live stream on the 15th of April, which is a Saturday. So in the afternoon on that day, we'll be kicking off this year's campaign with a live stream on Twitch where Taz and I will be joined by campaign supporters to talk about what the campaign is, what it means to us, and what is to come for 2023. So stay tuned for that. We'll be talking a lot more about, about the campaign very soon uh, and how you can get involved. And we have a number of Studio 77 activities coming. So each month we're doing different shows. So we have our casual conversations with comic creators where I speak to a different comic creator about their work and the craft of making comics. Uh, so we are still working on the next guest for April the 7th, but typically we have our discussions on the first Tuesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. BST, because we are now 
in BST, which has just completely thrown me off. I don't know why, but um, yeah, here we are in a new, completely new time zone, it feels like. So you can check that out next month. And then we also have our games nights at the end of a month, uh, usually on Thursday. So on Thursday, the 27th of April, you can catch the next games night. Uh, we'll figure out what game we're playing, but usually it's entertaining because either we're bad at the game or it's just fun to watch us play different games. We play with our community and you can check out past games night highlights on YouTube. Uh, we play games like Roblox and Fortnite uh, once, <laughs> um, <laughs> Knockout City, uh, Overcooked. Uh, so we're going to be working on getting those highlights up. We actually have someone to do uh, video editing. So wow, that's a, like a step <laughs> forward. Um, so all the stuff that we've done will, will now be seen uh, on our YouTube channel over the over the year. And if you've seen all this stuff that we've been doing, all these projects, all these uh, comics and events and feel like you want to get involved somehow, we might have something for you. So if you're a young uh, or aspiring creative professional or you know one, then check out our upcoming My Matter Showrunners Work Experience Program. So we're creating this program to provide opportunities for young people age 16 and above to work with our team across comics, video games, and content creation. So if you are interested, it will be on, we're working on doing redoing the website. There's a whole lot of changes in the background, but you can also email us at hello at mymatter.com and uh, we'll send you some information on how you can get involved there. Uh, so now you're all caught up with the My Matter universe. Let's talk about some of the stories that we've been enjoying this week. This is a spoiler-free discussion about what stories everyone has been reading, watching, or playing. So we'll start with our guest, Laura Lee. Um, so I have just finished... Um last of us so spoiler free what can i say <laughs> it's got the world ending <laughs> but it's not ending. in very poor terms <laughs> but yeah it's about a, a kind of quite pan a pandemic when it's when it's fungus but it's, it's just covered. yes end of the world disease type program i think it was based on a game but yeah what was your awareness of, of the game beforehand i wasn't aware of them at all i think okay. people are saying though it's one of the best adaptations of that there is yep. so it is well i'd say it is let me not speak for everyone but <laughs> I, I thought it was really good i thought it was well acted because it's a non-binary actor that is playing the girl in the program so they are really, really, really good, and it's just it's just full of ups and downs. What depresses me about all of these things is just how dirty the world gets after <laughs> everything <laughs> died. It's so dirty. I guess that is a consideration. Yeah, <laughs> not the first one I would have had, but yeah, <laughs> really messy and dirty, and they just eat things from the ground and stuff. I don't know if that actually happened. In this one, but I'm just sure people just eat things from the ground because they're so hungry all the time, and there's just no one. It makes you think how much we actually probably don't need to survive because we don't really have much. Yeah, it also mm -hmm. makes you just appreciate what we do have. I guess all that, all the systems in place where you don't have to do anything that they do in that show. But do we? Because we all went through COVID, and I feel as though now we've got through most of the horror of that we're just kind of 
back to our old ways and not appreciating life the way we did maybe a couple years ago. You might actually be right. That's quite deep, actually. <laughs> just, I think we've just like decided to forget this, this mass trauma. Actually, mm. saying that, something else that I've watched is, well, I haven't even, it can't be a spoiler alert because um, I haven't finished it, but it's the disappearance of, it, what is it, MH370? Oh, yeah. They're playing that, yeah. yeah. Oh, MH370, okay. the final search on Netflix, and that, that's the kind of, that's the same thing where something really major has happened, and then at some point we all just get on with our lives, like this, it's plain never found there were civilians on this plane and there's no explanation and at one point the whole world's up in arms saying like what's going on where are these people and then all of a sudden it's just okay on to the next thing so it's just really it doesn't really matter what it is it's just at some point as humans we're okay well that was that on to the next I think we just have so much to worry about that there's just like a capacity and the threshold is always filled. So something's yeah. gotta go. First in, first out, kind of. Yeah. I've been watching I've been watching a lot. Um Over in the Two Strings, we were talking about before, it's a stop animation from 2016. So if you're listening, yes, I just watched it the other day. It is quite old by now, but it actually was incredible. I think it's on Amazon Prime. I think people should check that out because it's just a really lovely little story. And then, as soon as I said lovely, it is quite tragic. But it's still lovely. Mm. Yeah. It's so beautiful, though. It's yeah. definitely worth watching. It's a just watch. so incredibly made. Yeah, I'm going to add it to my list because I hadn't even. I don't, I'm pretty I'm sure surprised. I've never even heard of. Me too. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure we've discussed it i'm sure oh, really? it came up in an episode when we were talking okay. about something else i mean I, i'm going through i don't know this daylight saving <laughs> things that just throw me off like so it, it could just be that i just i just need a good night's sleep and i'll remember it i feel like we all just had daylight savings and you went through like a portal <laughs> honestly like it feels like the clocks have gone forward five hours not one <laughs> I'm like, sorry, listeners, I'm just, I'm, I'm going through a thing. <laughs> so I, the stories I've been sort of like taking in, most of them have been for the podcast. So like I watched The Last of Us and this film that we're discussing today and another series that we're discussing like in a couple of weeks. So yeah, I've not really watched much new, but I have picked up Breath of the Wild again recently in the last week I actually like I've been playing it it feels really weird to just play it and really enjoy it because <laughs> I feel like I've tried to pick it up before and I've just been like uh like not feeding it so it's nice to like pick it up and feel like I'm really enjoying it so I'm just trying to do all the shrines so not much story there but <laughs> um but yeah and also the new season of Ted Lasso is out um so I've watched the first episode of that um, and I'm looking forward to watching the rest of the season. I'm so excited. I love Ted Lasso so much. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the adverts for this and now I'm like, oh, I need to get into it. You do, honestly. It is great. It's such a great show. And you'll have the you'll have the sort of like benefit of knowing football references. The why I don't watch yeah. watched it is because I No, you, know, you don't need to. You don't need to know like, any really, football. I really don't like football. So No, neither do I. <laughs> 
this is why it's so shocking <laughs> that I enjoyed it. But it's like, it's not really about the football. It's about the characters. It's about the people. And I'll be there like, tell me more about the formation levels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's just, Ted Lasso is such a great character. Like, if, if there was a Ted Lasso coaching football, with you being able to like see him, I, I would watch. I'd watch all the pre- press conferences. I'd be there because he's just that kind of character. Amazing. <laughs> but yeah, if you don't like football, honestly, it's a great watch. You don't need to like football. You don't need to know football. It's set. I don't know. It's, it's, it's like a, I don't know. It's just really enjoyable. I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but without spoiling it. But yeah. You had me at football. Uh, yeah, Nigel, what are your, your stories? So I've got a few things. I've got one I've just literally started, well, not literally, although I am holding it right now, but I um, started reading uh, yesterday. I got earlier in the year, it's called Red Flower Stories. And the I can't tell you much about the story itself because I'm a few pages in, but it is a manga with with black characters. <laughs> so, and the story behind how I discovered this is earlier in the year, I went to the Angoulême Comic Festival, uh, Comic Art Festival in Angoulême, France, and it's a festival that takes over the town, and this is different spots for uh, just getting into comic art, and it's all on display, and it's on display like an art form. And I know that sounds weird to say from <laughs> someone who makes comics, but oftentimes, in particularly, in, I guess, in the West in this country, anyway, like comics are, if they're not dismissed they're just a, a thing for kids they're not necessarily treated as an art form uh, you know it rises to the level of like pop culture thing and that's it but this is like is a natural art form and it was displayed as such and within the festival they had a uh, like a manga village all the manga creators and, and distributors and then in there was a black manga creator selling his work and when I realized I wasn't looking at a mirror, I went over and um, talked to him. I'm like, wow, <laughs> uh, I don't see many of you. So he's, he's made this series and it looks really good. And it features like, uh, he's also from Ghana. Uh, I'm uh, from Ghana. So there's just an interesting conversation with him and his colleague. So I just immediately picked up the book. I was like, uh, how much do you want for it? Got it. It's here. And I'm starting to read it. So I can't really tell you much about the story itself just the story of how I got to the story. Um, <laughs> but I will update on that over the due course. What I can tell you more about is things I've uh, consumed a bit more. So I started watching Haiku. So this is the anime, which is about volleyball. And I've seen the first uh, first two or three episodes um, of it. So it's, it's, so, <laughs> it's so anime, but in a, in a good way, in that anime has that you know, it's just that you can do it. I'm going to, this is my goal. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to like whatever obstacle, I don't care. And it just got that. I don't know if you've, either of you have seen it. I started it. Um, okay. But I never went back to it. Okay. Well, I'm just starting it and it's like, it just got that. And I, I always appreciate that in like, it's the universal message of, of anime is like, <laughs> go after your goal and, uh, and don't let anything get in your way. Um, so it's about this uh, kid who stumbles across a volley, I said volley, yeah, volleyball competition. And he's just, he's just like, in all, he's just like, wow, what is this thing? And from seeing that he now wants to become part of that world. So he trains like on it by himself 
and the series starts with him entering a competition uh like a i think is it junior high school level competition with some friends he's basically just rounded up some friends uh to take part in this competition and they come up against a really strong team and he the the protagonist kind of again is has that enthusiasm and is like you know we're gonna do it and we can we can make this work and they just get demolished in this competition but the protagonist shows talent like he's really good uh what is the the role he plays spiker so there's like i'm now learning about uh the sport so there's the setter who throws the ball up and then the spiker who jumps and smashes it down on the other side so he's really good at that and he's got like good agility and he can jump uh, and then he comes up against um like i said a really solid team they get destroyed that's it then enters high school and then the the setter on the other team who's really good and really serious is now they're now on the same side so now they got to work together and that's about where i am so literally the, the beginning but yeah i i like the vibe again i'm i'm all for the you know here's my goal we can do it and we just need to work hard very good life lesson there so it's a long series so i imagine i'm going to come back to this a few times over the year so we'll see how it goes the last thing i'll, I'll mention is john wick this is something oh, no. i feel like this is one of those no. not- <laughs> oh, <laughs> have i struck a nerve i just i just can't believe it's still going on <laughs> <laughs> okay it's interesting because i'm this is one of those nigel's late to the party because i'd not seen any john wick film but just seeing the trailer for the new one and feeling like i've been missing out so uh, i started watching the first one and i i really enjoyed it surprisingly because it's it's a film that in some sense shouldn't work but it does it's basically a, a revenge story which is kind of appropriate for the story we're going to talk about today and yeah Keanu Reeves just plays <laughs> a guy who just goes out and takes his revenge on uh, on people and is just entertaining to watch what's really interesting is for anyone who's who makes their own story who writes or who just creates their own stories there is a good screenwriting book called Save the Cat and the premise behind it was just about you know looking at Hollywood how they make the films uh, film scripts and the various beats that always, that need to be there in some order. And the title Save the Cat comes from what happens in filmmaking or storytelling to get an audience to uh, align with a, with a protagonist. And I can't remember what film, I think there's a film where they, they had the protagonist literally save a cat. And it's a mechanism for getting the audience on the side of the protagonist for whatever they do next. So you're rooting for them. And John Wick has a literal save the cat moment, or in this case, it's avenge the dog. But it's just interesting to see because of the stuff that he does as a character on the surface is very hard to to root for. But because they've had this moment at the beginning of the film and the way they set it up, it just immediately gets you to root for John Wick as a character. And I presume over the, uh, I guess now four films, follow him, <laughs> whatever madness that that he does which could be seen as villainous but because of this moment where we're on board so it's just interesting to see that so blatantly <laughs> executed in a in a film yeah obviously the late to the check train for john wick i think i watched it watched the first one during lockdown and then that's it that's why my journey ended <laughs> <laughs> is that that was all you needed to see 
<laughs> I don't like it was a fun movie to watch. I don't feel the need to watch like a second. Well, this is the thing. One. Well, I didn't even. I don't like violence, so it's just. Oh, okay. Yeah, that doesn't work. Films, then. yeah, are based around violence, but I've just. Uh, it's just, it was really well executed. Did the ignore the phrasing, but yeah, it's just apparently, <laughs> apparently there's two more of them at some point as well. There's four. No, but there's going to be two more. Like there's... Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm interested to see how they can stretch that. Is the dog not avenging? Because I saw a lot of avenging of this dog. The one <laughs> that I don't understand. It's a very cute dog. I do not understand <laughs> why there needs to be more. <laughs> well, I, I feel like I'm, I'm now on the John Wick train. I, um, I'll see another film and we'll see what happens after that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they're, they're the uh, stories we've all been enjoying. Should we get to the get to the film that we're all here to talk about? We're here to talk about The Harder They Fall, the 2021 Western film directed by James Samuel in his debut, who co-wrote the screenplay with Boaz Yakin. The film stars Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, Lakeith Stanfield, and many, many more black folk. So we're going to talk about that as well. Before we get into it, uh, it's probably just worth mentioning that at the time we are recording, there has been news breaking that uh, the film's protagonist, Jonathan Majors, has been arrested for suspicion of assault and, and harassment. We'd already planned this episode by the time, well, way before the news broke. And I think at the moment, as far as we know, nothing's been confirmed or disproved otherwise. So we're going to continue with the episode as planned, but obviously being aware of the news surrounding one of the actors in this story. But um, yeah, hopefully we can sort of uh, continue and whatever the legal process that needs to happen does happen in due course. And then we'll see what the outcome of that is. But just felt it worth mentioning uh, ahead of time. And then we can go into the rest of the episode. So uh, spoiler alert. We will be doing all the details of the film, at least that we have time for. I will do a recap of the story, but let's first get everyone's quick takes and general impressions. So, Lara Lee, what did you think about this film? I thought it was okay. I thought, hmm, six and a half out of ten. Okay. It wasn't what I was expecting, because I wasn't expecting to be entertained much because like I've just said I don't like violence <laughs> you don't like violence Western, yeah. pow, 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 everyone dies there you go and not much story behind it but um, there was some element of story behind it so I thought, I thought it was decent it's decent okay decent Tazzy was it did you find it decent or less than or more than decent <laughs> I found it more than decent <laughs> <laughs> no I I really enjoyed it I thought it was a really fun fun film um I really enjoyed like the the energy between the characters and I enjoyed I enjoyed the violence <laughs> 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 no I really enjoyed how the a lot of the gunfights were done I think like for me I love seeing like a skilled gunfight in a film because it makes me feel like oh, I just wanted to play like video games when I was watching yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, cool, yeah. Um, but I also just thought it's like 
fun story and I, I really like all the characters that generally like just has some really fun characters in it mm. all right so lovely your your role in this podcast is to bring me and tazzy back down to earth if we go uh too far into positivity because <laughs> i also really enjoy this and unlike cherokee bill i do enjoy violence or at least when it's on screen and uh at a safe distance from my own person um then it's great go nuts so this is an interesting one because i was aware of the film when it first came out and i was going to watch it i just didn't i just didn't get around to it and then i felt a lot of the hype around it died off and it gave me the impression that it was not a good film and watching it i mean you know i'm not saying someone needs to win an oscar for this but i really enjoyed it and obviously it when it came out there was a whole you know uh, predominantly black cast and black director and uh and it being praised for that um but i feel you know story's got to be more than that anyway but having said that it was fun to see a lot of black people uh, doing cool mm-hmm. stuff on screen. <laughs> I I really enjoyed uh, seeing that. It was, it was very cool. And I think we'll get into it as we talk about the characters. But one of the things I always appreciate when seeing like a predominantly black cast, and I felt the same watching Black Panther, is that seeing a range of black people, because one of the things that has happened, I was going to say can happen, but <laughs> it has happened, is when you have very little representation that representation can just descend into stereotype and then you get the one representation of black people which is a stereotypical representation and that becomes oh all black people are like this whereas when you have a a cast that is has a, a range of black people you get to explore different types of characters and you know there's there's different types of characters in here and it just gives that just wider view so i i appreciate that as well and there were some things in the story that i felt uh could have been done better we'll, we'll talk about that but yeah i just i just really enjoyed it, it was very entertaining very entertaining film and, and story so we'll get into it a, a little bit more but let me get to this recap so this is a story that takes us to the wild west and an 11 year old nat love as he eats dinner with his parents when rufus buck arrives and guns down nat's parents and then carves a cross into his forehead. 20 years later, Nat finds and kills Rufus' associate, Cortez, who was there at the house. Meanwhile, his partners, Bill Pickett and Jim Beckworth, ambush the Crimson Hood gang and steal their hoard from a recent bank robbery. The lone survivor tells them the money belongs to Rufus. Nat then travels to meet his former lover, stagecoach Mary, who runs a chain of saloons. Pickett then brings them the news of the heist. So Rufus's gang, led by Trudy Smith and Cherokee Bill, free Rufus from a train and after slaughtering the soldiers guarding the prison car, Rufus and his gang arrive in their former stronghold of Redwood City, now run by Rufus's associate, Sheriff Wiley Esco. Learning that Esco has used his position to profit at the expense of the town, Rufus brutally, and I mean brutally, pistol whips him and orders him to leave the town. Rufus then demands the townspeople raise money for taxes and protection, threatening to kill and burn the property of any who resist. U.S. Marshal Bass Reeves fakes an arrest of Nat after a standoff in a saloon, later revealing that Rufus has been released and offers him the chance for revenge. Love's gang assembles and Mary volunteers to scout Redwood under the cover of offering to buy Smith's saloon. When she arrives in Redwood, Trudy takes her prisoner and beats her. Nat's gang arrives and joins Fields in captivity, where he is also beaten. Rufus demands Nat return the money he stole, plus $10,000, which I imagine was a lot in that time, 
uh, to be fair, it's a lot now, as interest requiring him to rob a bank in a white town, literally and figuratively. So Nat and Cuffy rob the bank, but figure that Rufus is unlikely to release Mary willingly. So Booby traps the money with dynamite. They enter Redwood and set off the rigged wagon, killing some of Rufus's gang. Nat then prepares to hand over the money, but is ambushed from behind by Cherokee Bill, who is in turn ambushed by Beckworth and challenged to a quick draw showdown. Bill shoots and kills Beckworth before he can finish counting down, and a gunfight erupts. Most of Rufus's gang is killed while he just watches, and the money is destroyed before Nat is shot and wounded himself. Mary eventually defeats Trudy in hand-to-hand fight, before Bill is killed by Cuffy in a quick draw shootout. Nat then finds Rufus, who reveals that they are half-brothers and their father was once an abusive outlaw who killed his first wife. Nat reluctantly kills Rufus, closing his eyes out of respect. Then Nat Nat and his gang bury the bodies and Cuffy joins Reeves as a deputy. The gang ride off in different directions as a woman holding a bowler hat, presumably Trudy, looks at them from a distance. The end. Uh, so, uh, I was like to look at like the production and how these things came apart and if there's anything interesting. And I guess the timing of this film meant that this was one that was made during the pandemic and was just everything in the world sort of shut down for a period of time. Um, it's interesting to see the effect on, on Hollywood and how people were able to get some things made still. And I guess, Tazzy, to a certain extent, you've got some experience in this I read a piece from James Samuel, the director, who describes the making of the film. And he says, to quote him, that five months after being in a worldwide lockdown, we were back up and running. But this time I was told I had to wear mask, goggles, face shield, and I couldn't stand closer than six feet to any cast or crew. We had to use the rapid tests, which forced us to shut down on a number of occasions due to false positives. But we persevered. That's just mad. <laughs> it's like, in one sense, it's amazing that anything got made in that time. And I don't know if you could even tell like if if no one had said it anything you just think is a normal production I think like from from my experience like being on set sort of like coming obviously it was a really weird time and I know it was sort of like at the sort of like later end of things that you really start to have like supporting artists involved a lot of things were like cut down to the sort of like core uh, core roles but coming sort of like when we were still in an in and out of lockdowns I guess it was mm. like oh my god I've never had so many things shoved up my nose <laughs> <laughs> um, and like a just a lot a lot a lot of being tested to the point of like nosebleeds just being a normal wow. part of your life because it's not it's not good for your nose <laughs> no yeah <laughs> there's a reason why we don't do it routinely <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah, and just like, I, I can't imagine like some of the stuff that was still getting made even like more, like I generally even, it took me a while before I started to sort of like do things just because of um, how much restrictions there were. It was just quite uncomfortable. But yeah, I feel like this is one of the films that worked. <laughs> it's a lot easier to make than some others. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it's all outside and well, I'm sure they've done a lot in studios as well, but you know mostly outside a lot of parts of the film you're distance 
exposure, not really that close to people in a Western, like... No, there was a natural, you know, the whole standoff thing and, and everyone's in formation, which is nicely, I feel naturally <laughs> six feet apart. Yeah. That's the... <laughs> uh, so it works. So you can without it being like super noticeable. I will mm. say like, I am, I'm still looking out for like the uh, accidental mask belong on. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the background. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely tons oh my god because you've got like mask on in between like while you're waiting and for shoot while you're shooting take a mask off and put back on like <laughs> yeah i can imagine I can imagine i mean for this film in particular like i mentioned this being a sort of predominantly black cast at least in the uh in the leading roles and how you know that's still a, a thing to notice if uh, if, I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing in 2023, but that's still a thing of of note that this is a predominantly black cast. The thing it it got out for me is it kind of served as a reminder of, and I guess essentially like Hollywood's whitewashing of historical events. I feel there's no other way to say it because for me, I don't know how you both felt. Is like I never, I just didn't think black cowboys. I didn't. I didn't think of that. I didn't think there were like black people that existed because all I see is when we go to westerns is uh, is white characters. So first of all, I, I thought these. I mean, the film starts with like you know these aren't real events, but these are, these people existed. So these are, I think, for the most part, the names of real people that existed at at this time. I just thought these were all fictional characters, and to think that these are actual real people that existed, that in itself blows my mind. But I don't know if uh, either of you had any insight into like the existence of black cowboys and what does that say about like the the value of diversity that we do see in our media to show you know what actually happened well, i think i thought because it's kind of 2020 and every everyone's trying to be more aware etc i think that was one of the mm. things that were oh did you know that there are black cowboys i think I've just i've just seen it as like one in four cowboys were black it's quite a high percentage um thing I thought about this film was it didn't feel like it was a black movie. It just felt like it was a movie. And they're yeah. not white, so mm. I don't know how a white person would receive it or see it. But I just felt it was just very normal. I felt like I could be watching another kind of Western or, or another film. I don't think... Because n- not to my memory, I don't think that they even referenced black versus white they did they very much did <laughs> they did yeah that's a specific yeah I, I, but I, I do feel that like whole, I, that whole bit where she shoots the guy because he calls her the end oh that <laughs> yeah all about that, that is up. yeah i'm realizing what i said was just really stupid <laughs> <laughs> but no i don't think it is because it yeah. does just feel like a good movie and the way that they do reference racism is just there's such a nuance to it like I think it's just so well done and like with this real like slapstick comedy kind yeah, of I really thing. I didn't feel like it was just like okay I'm watching a black movie that just feels like they take me out of of the story every now and then to make a kind of social point I'm not sure I felt like that it so clearly there was there was that stuff going on in there but i just felt it was so but i just felt really it really smooth watching in that kind of sense yeah no i, I agree as well i feel that's that's 
a way to do it it's not the only way but so it's a good way to do it because a lot of the time when we do get um stories from a black perspective it it comes with suffering <laughs> so, like it has to be about slavery or i guess yeah slavery and that's mm. or civil rights or something we should you know again all things that do happen but it's somewhat annoying where when a predominantly black story is told it has to be through the lens of suffering whereas this is just these are some people that existed obviously there's lots of creative license uh, here but these are people that existed at a time mm. we're just going to tell the story and they happen to be black so um yeah. and i feel that's that's a better way of doing it rather than just always a- attaching it to some kind of suffering because not everyone suffered yeah. every moment of their existence if you're black <laughs> mm. yeah because yeah it just it just felt because now i've said that i'm just thinking the whole premise was that they needed to build this this, this city <laughs> that was free <laughs> <laughs> like mm, okay erase what i just said but like it still didn't take away from like it just felt really comfortable with when they examine these sorts of things sometimes it can just really take you out of the storyline and like i just didn't feel like it did clearly but yeah the whole premise was there around mm. <laughs> yeah it was so subtle you just missed it <laughs> some black cowboys no yeah I was just gonna say like I sort of knew there was black cowboys I didn't know what percentage actually you told me because we talked about nope and you were saying that's where I learned that (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) just wherever there was white people going to places there were black people too like we did (laughs) we did have boats (laughs) just just saying (laughs) it sounds obvious now you say it like that yeah Whatever white people can do. <laughs> yeah, and and then the other aspect to it, and I kind of touched on it before doing the, the recap, is that it, it's just cool to see. And there's a, a yeah. quote I got in my notes from Matt Zola's site, hope I'm saying that right, via Roger Ebert, who in his review um, mentions that the movie creates a fictional space where viewers who have traditionally been excluded from a genre can revel in its pleasures. And mm. like I say, this as someone who's like deep into his thirties, that is just it's just cool to see. Like I can't like I can't yep. figure I any mean, other word just to see people who look like you just do cool things. And yeah. if you imagine like if you're, I would have like jumped on a horse and started <laughs> finger guns in the air if I if I could have after seeing this. So you imagine like young people as well just seeing mm. themselves represented. How important that is, and yeah, it, it's it's just cool. Yeah, like as soon as I saw like Mary come on screen, I was like, oh mm. my God, I want to do a cosplay of this. And I've always really loved that, that kind of like era of clothing. And I've always just been like, oh, that's cool. I wish I could wear something like that. Whereas this was just like, I didn't have to think about it. And I really loved like how like her hair was done as well. It was like, I can do that. I can just do it with, with mm. my hair. <laughs> my, my natural, <laughs> like I can do this. I can do this whole look. I don't feel like, <laughs> like I have to look at it from a, from a um, distance. And I just really love that. So that's kind of like, you know, to that point of it is, it's just, it's, it's cool to have black characters doing cool things that like especially when it's a genre that you enjoy watching and it finally to have representation it's always like because i was thinking like her hair is just it's just great it's just so natural and normal and hasn't been battled with but she 
I don't know whether it's her personally. I, I wonder if it is. Just always makes a point of having her natural hair and not kind of under a wig or straightened. Like everything that I've seen her in, at least, it's just her natural hair in its natural state. So it just, yeah, love it. Mm. All right, so we were feeling good. So uh, let's talk about the the story, the narrative itself. And this, like many Westerns, is a some kind of revenge tale. There's always an element of revenge, um, but with a twist. And we'll we'll get to that twist. So we get really what I feel is a really strong opening in the terms, in a sense that it sets the scene for everything that is to come, and in particular establishes the protagonist. Uh, motivation and it reminded me a little bit of Inglorious Bastards which I can say because that's the title of the film I don't know if either of you have seen that but that's got an amazing opening I have seen it um, but I have film amnesia constantly figured out from (laughs) this podcast alone but but, (laughs) like so I have got notes on this film because because the amnesia but like I have got one of my first notes was like, it smells Tarantino-esque, that opening. But there's also other parts of the film that like certain parts of it was just like, I can see Vincent Tarantino would do something like that. I think one of the other ones was when he when they were on the train to rescue Giselba. And then when they, Rufus, yep, that's Rufus. it. And when they were all dying, when they were getting off, and the way that they were falling mm. in front of the camera and stuff like that just reminded me of that kind of that kind of like look. It did very much look like that way to me. I got that sense as well. And I think um, for those who haven't seen the the film, it's, it's a it's a story that's set in uh, Nazi Germany, and the opening scene is like a German officer visiting the house of uh, just a family, but the family are hiding. I can't remember who they are. They're just like a Jewish family. And oh, right. I might have actually seen it. Oh, okay. It's, it's such a good opening because they're, they're under the floorboards and there's the tension that it carries over the, what is quite a long scene with a lot of sort of back and forth dialogue, but it holds tension from the beginning to the end because of, in a sense, like almost like a narrative time bomb because <laughs> you know you know what's happening, you know what the characters don't know, and you know what will happen if they're discovered. And the opening for the harder they fall is 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 similar in a sense of there's a tension to it. So we get the uh, family with the young boy, a, a young gnat, just to dinner, and then not comes at the door. It's well, in fact, you don't even see Rufus's face; you just see someone, and then the mood completely changes. And it's just a who is this guy? What is happening? The father obviously knows something, but is not saying. The the family doesn't, and then he he's holding the guns on the, the son and the wife and it's just like you know once you see a gun in the film it's going to go off at some time so your the tension is is held in that scene so i thought that was uh, pretty well done as well mm. yeah so we get that scene and then it also serves the the purpose of just establishing the motivation for the protagonist and there can be times in like storytelling where you get like a wife who is a passive protagonist who doesn't whether they want something or not is not going after the thing they want Whereas this sort of ticks that box where it's like, you know exactly what. Once you know, you see grown up Nat, mm. you know what he's after. Um, it, it sets the tone. So it, it's very well done in that. And what the film, and I'll speak about this a bit at the end, but I feel there's a element missing in terms of like seeing a lot of the antagonist. 
but his presence hangs over the whole film. So we know about Rufus and when um, Nat does meet up with Mary and we see what their relationship is like. And I think Mary mentions something that Rufus is getting out of prison and that Nat won't be happy or won't be settled until he gets, you know, the, the main guy uh, that he's out for revenge. And he's kind of po- pokes at his his need for vengeance as well. When I first saw it, when I first saw that scene, I just thought, well, this is kind of silly. He's blatantly just, this film is blatantly just going to be him coming after him. Because he said, why would you leave the kid alive? Although, yeah, not very great. Yeah. Kids, but why would you? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, is that is that a message from this? <laughs> Make sure you kill the kids. It was just like, this kid is obviously going to grow up and come after you. And until you get to the very end, I just thought, like, it's a bit of a, way to do it it's just like oh i'm gonna kill this kid so now we can make a whole movie about him coming back after me so that's why i mm. sort of appreciated the end bit it just made it more okay. than i'm gonna leave this alive so i can make a whole meaningful. movie about how his whole life has been geared to this one time that we finally face each other and we can talk about what you've done to my family because mm. i just thought that was just it's just i understand that it's always important for for stories to to be made but the amount of times that i'll just watch something at the beginning like, well why did you do it like that you should have done it like that and someone always says to me so the story can be made it's just like break bad like i couldn't stand yeah. breaking bad because man's offered you the money for your chemo like just take the money <laughs> like but if you just took the money the movie wouldn't be made and it's just like yeah that annoys me so i was annoyed there was some kind of excuse for it at the end what did you think of the opening tazzy I like it did make I do agree like it does make for like a like when you're watching you're like oh well I know, I know what's going to happen now which I think sometimes can be a bad thing and sometimes can be a not bad thing I think we say call those good things no because I'm not talking about a good thing I'm talking about just a not just a neutral thing oh okay okay oh yeah I forgot neutral too yeah <laughs> so I think without the ending I feel like it was would have been like a a neutral thing because obviously it did it does yeah. open up the catalyst of like okay so you kind of know what the story's about yeah um but what that gives space for because you don't need to be like told why everything's happening you just get to enjoy everything that is happening mm. and not thinking about like oh well why why are they doing that you're like well we know <laughs> we know the motivation here like everything's gonna be about this kid's revenge yeah and it just explains a lot about the character without having to spend a lot of time like over explaining things you're like after revenge we can all sort of like understand wanting revenge at least mm. <laughs> maybe not actually going after it but we can understand that feeling <laughs> maybe not of, in that way yeah but... <laughs> yeah no i get that so i really enjoyed it and i just had that like lingering question of like who is it like, yes who is it and like why specifically this family was it like mm. random was it chosen and then it just made the ending a really satisfying bit of information because it was like you get to the end and like oh yes kiss revenge ties it together and we're gonna get the reason but then the reason isn't like just <laughs> wanted to kill it like it was just such a good reason that i'm like ah oh, yes <laughs> so satisfying i was like nice little bow to wrap up this story okay and like it is a story that has 
all I don't know about all but because I don't know every western trope but a lot of western tropes and it sort of just plays them out as you go uh one of the ones that I liked and I don't know if I'm if I'm I might be overthinking about this but tell me if I'm overthinking this so but when we see Trudy we had the first time we see Trudy actually the first time is when she's leading the gang and she does the the hand signals which is pretty cool I don't know it just she does the slow hand signals and then she puts the horse or she's on the horse on the tracks mm. and there's kind of a, a trope of like the damsel in distress tied to the tracks It's very you know the villain will tie the, uh, the screaming uh, damsel to the tracks and the hero has to come and uh, save her before the train runs over it's a very old kind of stereotype and I don't know if this is an if this is intentional or, or I'm just seeing patterns and and projecting, but she's on the track, but she has all the power. <laughs> like she's so, like yeah. just completely confident that this train is going to stop and she doesn't flinch. She doesn't blink. Oh, maybe she blinks. I don't know. I wasn't watching that closely, but uh, <laughs> she just does not move. I, although I do feel the horse blink. That horse was not. Uh, I don't know if you uh, I was, I was impressed that. with that the horse stayed. <laughs> that, that, uh, there was a scene, I'm sure, I'm sure I saw this. I saw that horse look at Trudy and be like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, because, <laughs> you, you know, that's confidence. When you can convince your your horse to stay, stay in a yeah. dangerous situation, you're, you're exu- like exuding some serious confidence. Because yeah. that horse is like, fine, I'm going to trust you. <laughs> Even though, like, horses spook easy. Yes. <laughs> Like. Yeah. If you were the train driver, especially in those days, can't you just? I won't. I don't know if I'd press brake. I was like, get out of the way, you snooze. You want to? You want to <laughs> For someone who claims they don't like violence, you're sure you got some <laughs> violent tendencies. I'm also, I'm pretty sure that the the train would get it was a flat like, horse. Derailed. I think derailed. they considered yeah. like, yeah. Mm, is it because the horse is so big? It would <laughs> it would couldn't just slice it nicely. But like trains weren't super track attached. I don't know the track. <laughs> <laughs> like um, they're more like scale electrics at this point. <laughs> like they are heavy, but <laughs> they could easily come off. And <laughs> but even so, like even, especially since it's back in the day, just he didn't stop it. In great time. So yeah, I I understand that it looked amazing and looked great and. It set the scene for her character and calm and collected and stuff. But I'm just like, I've been tempted to show you a, to show you lesson. Okay, I'm I'm definitely questioning that. I don't like violence. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, by the way, <laughs> you just suggest it as an option. <laughs> I'm kind of now uh, understanding Laurie's character in a in like a violent movie. <laughs> It's the one that tells everyone to be violent and it's like, I'm not going to watch though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll leave the room and you, you know what to do. Just, just send me the limbs in the morning and yeah. Um, and as you, so for Trudy's, uh, you mentioned the introduction because that is her introduction and it's a very cool introduction. I, I feel there's lots of cool introductions here. Um, and she has what might be the best line in in this film when the train driver does come he's like you know what are you what are you doing da, da, da. and he starts he starts with a word that begins with n and she just shoots him yeah. and then i think it's cherokee bill who says now he could have just said nincompoop it's like <laughs> we ain't no nincompoops either <laughs> well, that is a cool line 
so yeah, we get the some twist on the damsel in distress on the on the train tracks. Uh, speaking of Cherokee Bill, we also get the. I guess he's like a southern gentleman, or he's a, some kind of gentleman. He's very polite, claims to dislike violence somewhat. <laughs> To, similar to Lara Lee is very good at dishing it out apparently um, and I think he says once they're on the train to the one of the workers on the train is like now I don't particularly enjoy violence that being said you are currently in the company of extremely violent individuals another great line <laughs> and you get the whole um, fastest gun in the West with the young cowboy who just thinks he's the fastest and constantly yeah. wants to go against Cherokee Bill you know like Cuffy comes out as the winner in the end, you get like bank robberies. Obviously, it's uh, Western, so you've got to have the bank robberies. Um, was there was there a trope that you particularly enjoyed or thought was well done in this story? I'm trying to think now. I mean, I'm leaving it to you two t- to do the well done bits, and I can just chop everything down with my notes. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think like the um, the saloon. You had like the saloon showdown moment. Mm. It wasn't quite a showdown, but um, when the the sheriff comes in, yep, and you know, no, no weapons, not this bad, said differently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone's kind of like, and then Mary and Puffy still have their weapons, and as soon as like he comes in, that they like just pull their guns. That's sort of like a quite typical. Yeah, first time in trouble. Guns come out, drawn. Yeah, in a saloon. Yeah, I did like that as well. And so as the story progresses and we're introduced to Rufus's gang and we see uh, Trudy, we see Cherokee Bill, and then obviously they're there to free Rufus himself. And he gets quite an introduction that fits his his character where they're breaking him out of, I was going to say prison, but it's, it's obviously not prison. It's a, the prison car of, of the train. Speaking of Tarantino, the way that scene is executed where everyone dies and that's very Tarantino but um I think by that point they had they'd got the the boy and they uh, they'd used the boy because the boy's the son of the the leader of the the US marshals and uh, he asked the question like oh. who here can drive a train and then I think mm. the boy speaks up like no one else everyone is silent the boy speaks up yeah. and he just goes everyone but the boy and then just guns get drawn and he's but then he's walking through all the gunfire and everything again very cool uh scenes with tarantino-esque mm-hmm. uh delivery there i feel like that's the only justified murdering that that gang yeah. done because the whole reason why they had the pardon right was because if they killed that those those guys because of what they'd done to women and children yeah Which that's a good kind of made you think like are these the completely bad guys and then you see how they act when they get to the <laughs> like, okay, yeah they're just they're the yeah. bad to the core guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess yeah no one's really good in this is one of those one of those films there's no good versus bad it's just shades of gray whoa uh rufus's gang is pretty bad isn't it because like the concept for law they didn't have policemen or anything. They had the sheriffs. And stuff. So the concept of law was really kind of rough around the edges. Like, mm, this is bad. This is bad. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, don't rob. Up, rob yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot you can get away with. <laughs> rob each other, not banks. <laughs> Just like, okay, we'll, we'll let this gruesome, horrible character out if you get rid of it. Like, that's not how you text people. I mean, it is literally the, the Wild West. The Wild West, reason, yeah. Right? <laughs> 
like that was the the point of the like it was to break free of the because they didn't like the laws from you know from the places that they were originally from yeah yeah and it was like you know a mixture of like criminals and people that didn't want to <laughs> didn't fit into the law mm. <laughs> in like Europe I feel and like the other places. Mm. Don't kill and don't so. steal. And all we see is killing and stealing. But they weren't don't kill and don't steal. They were like, you know, you you can kill someone if they're taking your property or Yeah, I think that one stuck around in the US the, the stand your ground. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a law, very so, lawless yeah. lawless time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it makes you, you know, I guess it makes you appreciate civilized society because like just you go into a place and again, as I describe it, I'm thinking like what it must be like to live in America now anyway, but you go into a place and someone could just shoot you. <laughs> it only takes one bullet and and uh, that's it. And like the unease at which you must feel to uh, exist at that yeah. time. Is, and that's that's how kind I don't really feel I? about well, violence, but like the way that they just like draw out things. Why are you not constantly scared all of the time? <laughs> Going about your business, yeah. getting shot in the head <laughs> for no reason. Like they just pulling <laughs> out their guns here, then everywhere, and just like this is not okay. Surely this is not okay. I feel sorry for the bystanders because, like, even even if you're a very accurate shot, the guns are just not. <laughs> Yeah, these are like, like the technology, the gun dot technology is inaccurate. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the chance of misfire is very high. <laughs> no, it is true. And yeah, just so when when I see characters like um Jim Beckwith, the young uh the young cowboy is like, you should probably like scale that back because it only oh, takes yeah. one bullet for you uh to be just <laughs> yeah, to to stop all that. So I wanna come back to some moments and we'll definitely like, like talk characters, but because we've mention the ending i want to tie that together because that's one of the things that i feel i wouldn't say let down i wouldn't i wouldn't uh, escalate to that but one of the areas i feel maybe could have been improved or wonder how it could have been done differently because we get this film where the third act and specifically that final moment between nat and rufus gives meaning to everything that has taken place so like you both mentioned is it sort of ties it together quite nicely but what it does mean is because we don't see we don't see too much of rufus other than his just presence obviously he gets some moments when he's broken out when he uh, pistol whips the the leader of the the town and sends him on his way but in terms of what his perspectives are what his worldview is so rufus kind of plays like the the obstacle character or the antagonist like who's you know conflicting with the the main character for reasons we don't know up until the very end and i felt that what that meant is that we missed out on that competing worldview that you sometimes get in, in films where they explore different themes and they use the protagonist's worldview against the antagonist worldview we don't necessarily get that so we don't get nat's views challenged so much as we could have so i guess i wanted to bring that up and ask like one doesn't matter because it sounds like for both of you the the ending worked and it 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 stuck the landing and then how would the perspective of the film or how would your perspective of the film change if maybe we did know like Rufus and Nat were brothers but maybe Nat didn't know until the mm -hmm. end but the audience did like what do you think no I think I think that would have I think they needed the twist element 
obviously there's a suspense element of when is he going to find out and at what point in our feelings towards the fact that he's going after his own brother but i think i think we needed the kind of oh that makes sense and like the the satisfaction feeling of like oh that makes sense because we wouldn't really get that if if we already knew but i don't really i don't really feel like we were missing anything by not i rarely say this developing um Rufus's character because i think we got that we needed for it to make sense right as in when you say yeah, it as exactly. in just the events because leading even, up to that moment like you yeah even though we've had just Rufus making this this old move at the beginning he's killed the family apart from the child we know that the child's going after mm. Rufus but also a intercepted bank robbery when they actually needed that money so they could make this town what they wanted and they needed the money to make this town and that's been intercepted as well so there's an additional reason for him to feel angry because he was just a bad one you get, you get that sense they kind of they kind of gave you all the clues like killing poor james what was the point in that we already know that hmm. you're evil everyone he's definitely got the impression that his everyone knows how evil he is he was in a of one man steel prison box yeah he came out like Hannibal Lecter right? you know that this bad <laughs> bad news so do we have mm. to kill poor James who just said look unlike what you lot are talking about I'm gonna move <laughs> James, James talked too much though <laughs> it's, 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 uh... it's like I'm gonna move and it's like no how dare you <laughs> how dare anyone move you know didn't he say like our family yeah. and then pow sorry James yeah, something like that. Um, James should have uh, put a note in the, in the suggestion box and left it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I agree though. Like, um, we wouldn't. I don't think we would have add. It would have added anything additional if we had. I don't think there's anything additional to add. And also, I feel like at least for me, it would have made it quite boring because then it would have made it quite. Because you know everything. Yeah, and it, not just did you know where but it'd just be like, oh, okay, so that was his motivation. We necessarily have not wanted him to kill his brother, because what would be the benefit of us knowing? Because he still killed his mum and his, his, his dad, mm. and at that point, we thought his mum and his dad were yeah. good, a nice, lovely, like, man of God and his wife, and a lovely little scene. Of, so <laughs> if he knew somehow that that was his father unless we want to give the entire kind of background of the dad and then there would really be just exactly and like because i think like at the beginning of the film you're like who is this person and why and then we get the who yeah and then the why is what like keeps you keeps you hooked so if we knew the why then we'd have nothing but violence to keep Mm. us going which i feel like i mean I might do it for me, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it still would have been, but, like, I still would have watched it, but yeah, yeah. that addition, you, you take, like, you said, like a nice bow to wrap up the the story. Yeah, and I think it, it's, I, I like considering those things because when it comes to stories, like, first of all, you can literally do anything. Like, they, they could have had, I don't know, they could have shown more of Rufus's perspective and show some flashbacks to um, an unknown man who's abusive to his family and then tied use different flashbacks to tie that together to be the the man of god today that he then killed and be like, oh wow that's how 
that worked and then it adds there they could have done that they could have let you know like what's happening all the way through and just relied on the uh, high uh, high violence throughout but they did it this way and it's like it was interesting because you have to think about what do you want the audience to experience and mm. like how do you structure the story to give them that experience so like i i enjoyed it it's just a consideration of like you it's always a like a balance because you want this certain experience so you're going to lose something over here but maybe it doesn't matter because if you get the experience you want then it's all good so yeah it's just interesting how just to consider how they thought about things when they were putting it together and when it comes to like putting things together obviously we talked like the narrative side of things and part of the narrative is the the audio and the visual side of things and i feel because this is a film for for netflix so i watched it on my computer screen i imagine everyone else did i do wonder what the experience would have been like on a cinema screen mm. apparently it was also awesome. um when they released it they did a bunch of netflix movies in south bank um and my friend watched it oh. when it was released um, on the big screen uh i can't remember cool. which one i watched but it because they were all kind of four netflix movies um i think amex put like a premiere for everything but yeah apparently it was really okay. good i can imagine it being really good in the cinema yeah i would love to see this in a cinema yeah it just it like the way the things hits, were shot you know yeah <laughs> i didn't mean that's the part <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, but um, but yeah, just like the way it was shot, the scenes, like the, uh, when characters were in sort of formation, like the use of space and in different back and forth moments when characters were in uh, sort of dialogue moments. And yeah, it just felt like this was something that uh, would be a, a different experience on a, on a bigger screen. Um, but when it comes to like within the, within the scenes and the use of uh, colour, because as you're going through different towns is the one that struck me. So I think it was Redwood this. City, which was quite colorful because one was, it was quite colorful. It looked like a, yeah. it almost looked like a toy. Um, oh, what do you call it? Dia, dia, there's a word I'm missing. Diorama. That's the word. Diorama of, <laughs> of a Western town. So very colorful houses and everything. And then you had the more gritty, I think Douglas town, which was like just rough and, and dark and then you had Maysville when they the all white town yeah. just... I love that it's one of my <laughs> highlights of the movie because they keep saying like the white the white town, the white town. Da, da, da. <laughs> and then when they introduce it and they've got the the title screen and it's like the white town <laughs> and, and then they're like white. oh <laughs> like, really white white <laughs> yeah I had to adjust my eyes like when I, when that scene came on <laughs> so so yeah, when um, Rufus and Nat, well not first meet, I guess when adult Nat and Rufus meet and uh, Ruf, uh, Nat has been just punched out and then Rufus demands he go and steals from this this white town. So they go to Maysville and just the design of it is literally all white. The buildings are white, the, like the floor is white, the people are, are white and that was just a funny moment. So from the, I think it's from the production designer, Martin Wist, he says, I was like, well, we should just make this town white, everything white, all the buildings white, all the horses white, the ground white, the bank white. And he, and he, Samuel, looked at me and just laughed. I was like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just like, 
yeah, it, it's just such a moment of um, it's funny. It's just it's, but that's a really white town. <laughs> <laughs> but then it also because to Lali's earlier point about the, I mean, I admittedly that wasn't a subtle moment, but <laughs> the way that moment was used to convey some of the, I guess, societal mm. commentary. So because this film like made some commentary on just structural problems at the time, but even stuff that is uh, unfortunately still relevant here, just like laws that separated black and white. And even when uh, Nat and uh, Cuffy go to the bank and Cuffy asks to withdraw money and uh, the woman on the other side just laughs and just it's the like idea, a manic laugh as well. <laughs> yeah, like, a, like a proper, like you must be out of your mind to have even suggested you could do a thing like that here. But then you had that time where you had laws that meant that either black people couldn't get houses in certain areas or couldn't put their money or take the money from certain areas. And it was just that comedic moment was used to sort of illustrate something that was very real and uh, has an impact in, in society. Mm. And the the music as well was pretty good. I'm not I'm not great at like identifying sort of like uh, scores and how it well meshes with with the narrative, but I, I felt like it was done well here. And uh, I also quite liked how some of the tracks like bled into the character action. So there were moments like when we first see Mary, uh, she's leading that song that everyone in the the space joins in on. Then later on, oh, I can't remember which character, but another character initiates a song that Nat. Um, joins in on and some of the other characters sing on is sort of that uh, I didn't like that why was it all of a sudden a musical because there were moments it was yeah you did you weren't a fan what was your problem with that what was my problem with it yeah why are you bursting into song (laughs) to do with all of a sudden let's all just sing let's just sing no some of us do that. <laughs> some of us. Yeah, some of us do that all the time, but maybe I'm just jealous because nobody else joins me when I do it. You're hanging out with the wrong people. <laughs> I see at work and get told to be quiet. <laughs> you need to join an outlaw gang. That. That's what you need. But you, so you liked it, Tazzy. You liked those moments. Yeah. I always love those moments because uh, like, I am generally someone that breaks out of the song and I have quite a lot of friends that if I break out the song in front of them, they will join in. If they don't know the words, oh, really? okay. there are new words made and it was great. <laughs> Is it generally okay. when you're about to kill loads of people? Actually, no. Whenever there's a very intense moment because it helps to deflate it. I mean, I've never had to like kill a load of people, but Okay, just I to imagine. clarify that. <laughs> if you do... I have had to like do really hard work and that like singing and those moments is very helpful. So I imagine, you know, if you've got a mass murder. Nah, because all of, it just felt like all of a sudden I'm sitting in the musical. <laughs> okay. Uh, were there any other, maybe not audio, but uh, visual moments or sort of scenes that stuck out to either of you? The The town accountant really annoyed me. Just like, how much can this town afford when um, Rufus Hammond oh. oh my goodness how much could, how much does this town have first of all how do you know how much money the entire town has and then you say who's the accountant yeah like of the town they just know <laughs> he was, he was like, <laughs> they have the their accountant. ways he was just some man that was saying uh, I think we could raise about 10 actually yeah, then he oh, added no. like, why did you <laughs> why, like why did you add more like, just... <laughs> why would you 
if we squeeze every last last bit of the town, like, what are you doing? <laughs> round down, like. You've just seen what happened to James. <laughs> yeah, I think that was his point. He was where he wanted to be like, I'm on your side. Like, please spare my life. Because <laughs> no one like raising the bar. Everyone should have just kept their mouth shut. Just said, "Look, I've only got a fiver in my pocket, and that's all I want." And then, <laughs> just, yeah. All you had to say is cost of living. Like it's it's tough. Like it's, <laughs> it's like maybe five. It was really. Uh, what was the other point? Oh, what was the point? Letting the crimson hood guy go. Oh, for Nat when he. Oh, there was a line because wasn't it because he's already dead? Yeah, he's already he's already dead, but he killed him. Like, didn't he? How did he die in the end? Isn't it now? I don't think we saw. Well, he, I think, he came back. Remember, him? he came because he ended up being shot. So ah, uh, so I said, what was the point in the Crimson Hood guy letting him go to just chew him in the shoulder and then make an announcement <laughs> about exhaling? <laughs> that was it. He doesn't exhale, and then there's a whole thing. It was just. Not like he warned anybody, because I thought the point, because when, when you see these things in films and someone's spared, it's always to be a messenger, say, look, these people mean business. He just ran off, and then he came back afterwards with his gang, and oh, maybe it's just to make the, to have the story happen, because you've come back with all the Crimson Hood guys, but really, you've not done anything, really. What, what was the point in letting him go? I don't understand that. Uh, I guess the... The implication I got is that because it's Rufus's money and Rufus is a terrible person, knowing him knowing that this person failed, he'd just kill that him. That didn't happen. No, but that was why they let him go. That's why they let him go, yeah. But, you're, but it didn't but happen. it didn't happen, us seeing or saying, hmm. or him saying that. I guess huh. like in real life, not everything in the film has to out, have yeah. a purpose. <laughs> 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 I think that was just like what they would do. I feel like... Oh, maybe they forgot to do, maybe forgot to round that up. More. I don't know. I like when films like don't have to tie up everything because Larry does not. <laughs> yeah, <know>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might have just not made the cut. There was a scene where I can't remember what he was threw down. He threw a bag down, and then they cut another angle, and the bag was right right next to a tree. And it was like continuity. Continuity. <laughs> How did the flag get there when he's opened his eyes? Yeah, I, I don't enjoy those moments when it just seems like the writers just forgot. Yeah, it might have been as well, because if we think about the, when this this would have been filmed, where there's a lot of restrictions, they might have planned it and then it just, mm. they just wasn't able to, or like they tried to and it just didn't come out mm. right. Or like that day someone could have been could have been one of the times when uh, they tested, they had a false positive. positive. Mm. Oh, yeah, all that stuff is very, yeah, yeah, how things come together, especially in that in that period. So I think one... Um, yeah, maybe it was a scene where they look back and someone was wearing a mask and like, ah, I can't use it. <laughs> <laughs> the, one of the sort of visual elements that struck me, there were a few, but when, um, when Rufus was pistol whipping, was it the mayor or the Wiley Esco? So the... The, yeah, um, and the way they shot it, like I, I wish I knew more about like directing and stuff to describe it accurately. But there was moments where he was whipping him, and they held the actual moment of impact a few times, and it just made that scene just feel even more violent than you already know mm. it is. That yeah, 
like you felt it well i felt it yeah <laughs> i felt that <laughs> like i felt that i thought that was him done for the rest of the film <laughs> i didn't i didn't think he'd get up he did pretty well actually he did well to walk away and <laughs> and uh he lost a couple teeth as well have they added that to the ten thousand slash fifteen thousand? What? <laughs> Just <laughs> <laughs> that's the interest on that. <laughs> so um, we've mentioned a lot about different characters and character moments, and I mean, there's there's so much we can say. I don't know if anyone had particular character moments that stuck them. I feel stuck with them. Uh, I. F- Bill, my personal favorite character was Cherokee Bill. Just, I feel Lakeith Stanfield just epitomized that gentlemanly cool, but with someone who is very capable of violence, as he demonstrated mere moments after saying he does not like violence. <laughs> and, but one of the interesting ones for me was Stagecoach Mary, just because, so she was like a romantic interest character, but I feel she did more than that. And I love the performance as well. And she did more than that in, in two ways. And one was like challenging challenging the protagonist. And like I said earlier, where she was the one who outlined to Nat, like, you know, because he comes and he wants her back, but she's like, you're just not in the right place. And you're not in the right place because of this, this vendetta you've got. And you're not going to settle it until you get the main guy. And she just like laid bare his his issues. But then also how sometimes in, you know, the romantic interest, I guess this is a, maybe another trope of like, you know, gets a girl in the end. And in a, I guess in a way it does, it's a bit of an ambiguous ending, but uh, Nat does propose to Mary and she rejects him. I feel that's kind of like a twist on the trope. Like he doesn't get mm. what he wants. Uh, I appreciated that. And definitely not, even if he does get her in the end. And like you said, it's left quite ambiguously. Yeah. It's not in the way that, he wanted like it's on her terms like whatever happened is definitely on her terms and i really like that um next time i will be really positive but again (laughs) what was the point in her stupid plan to go back i know (laughs) okay that was yeah (laughs) no one thought this but no one just said let's sit down and let's think about (laughs) your plan here you just think you're gonna ride up and just Oh, I've got, I've got a, I've got a deal for you. Like, why would that, in any stretch of the, well, Nat did think it wouldn't work, but <laughs> this is another thing that we've done this to make the story happen. Because now he has to come back and he has to rescue his life. But come on, yeah. But yeah, that, that was just, it was just silly. Yeah, I guess that's one of those. We need the plot to go in this direction, and this is what we're gonna do to get there because. And I guess, yeah, to the credit, it, it doesn't actually fool him because it might have been made worse if if Rufus was in any way fooled by it. But That's true. Yeah. But I did like her character. Um, so as well as like Mary being one of my faves, I really like Cuffy. Yes, I wanted to yeah, mention. So many reasons. Like underestimated small human being, like everyone just underestimated them and they use that to their advantage and i liked because when we're first introduced to them when that comes to uh mary's saloon and that makes a comment on like coffee being at the door and being small mm. and then coffee makes a comment on it being you know just like yeah being underestimated has its perks or whatever but then we 
see that displayed several times. And I feel like I really like how they've done it. It's like, oh, wow, like they pack a punch. But I still feel like a lot of audience would be underestimating them at mm. that point. And it's not until the end that we really have the payoff of like, no, like yeah. coffee is someone not to be, to be messed, messed with. with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they do say like, I was just going to add, they do say when Jim Beckwith is like, you know, I'm the, I'm the fastest and yeah. coffee's like, you know, I've, I've seen faster. And like, where are you seen faster? Like in the mirror and just the everyone mirror, laughs. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. nope. then at that point knew that it was going to come down to you would see how yeah. good they were though. <laughs> Like, yeah. although when you played Breaking Bill of... was your was a good character for you, I really felt let down by the fact that he didn't let the guy finish his countdown. Like that was his thing, right? That's why he's always he's known as fast because he don't let people finish. That's that's all. That was the yeah. idea like, for that. I he really he was the most skilled. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for this. Um, as well, like uh, for me, like another thing that made Cuffy a great character is when Nat mate's coffee and wear a dress and, and the shoes <laughs> and we have the moment of them like not being able to walk in the oh, shoes yeah, yeah. and then the bit that gets me is when they're like <laughs> when they're at the uh the checkout thing and um they're like with what they're laughing at them and they're mm. just getting so wound up <laughs> but then they can't get the gun from under yeah. the dress <laughs> And it was like this pause moment of like this awkwardness of just how highlighted how impractical like women's clothing oh, is. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, no, that and again, just when you have this cast that you're able to show different types of blackness, so you you get someone like Coffee, you also get someone like Rufus or and Trudy. Regina King is just. You just believe her, like whatever role she plays. You just just believe her. She's that she's that person, and she just plays that. And again, sort of flipping the uh, the trouble because not only is she a, a black character, but she's a female female character as well. And she's like second in command. She's second yeah. in command to Rufus. Yeah, and she just owns the stage, uh, figuratively speaking. And she just I don't know. She just does such a great job. Like that first introduction where she you know she raises her hand and she's like just slowly points it's just complete command of that uh of that scene i just love her story with the with the apple cow she's mm. telling the story oh, yeah. and she's just carving the apple and you just know that knife is gonna come into it somehow because we've already seen what cherokee bill has done with it so you've got kind of got that and you've got this moment of tension i love those moments of that that hold attention in a scene as a character's giving exposition because that's ultimately what she's doing but mm. being delivered in a interesting way yeah there's one thing though i don't this is I, I clearly was missing something but it was bugging me it's like the hat thing what was does anyone know what that, that was about the hat thing as in what everyone like has a just, hat or no just... no no specifically trudy kept changing hat and it was a very like highlighted thing like they pulled uh, the camera on it was a point so i want to know what huh. that's about because i was clearly missing something yeah i don't know either so you can put hmm. that out there to the audience if you can help us out about the hat thing because it just it was bugging me i was like <laughs> what is it with the hat it was very cool but what was the meaning <laughs> yeah yeah huh yeah i don't know yeah I also really like they I think they've done this with Mary, but in 
in a slightly different way um as well is like the the femininity of of those characters but particularly trudy but still with just that strength and that power just i really i really like that because i feel like a lot of the time to have a strong woman character they often just lose all their femininity or it's like done in a way where it's like just a unrealistic kind of thing but i think that was like really really nicely grounded and just yeah. refreshing everything felt authentic to the to the character and to that also to the actor playing the character as well mm. yeah like i thought the, the casting was was well done in yeah. that sense okay so uh, before we wrap, obviously, obviously, we always like to touch on themes. Although, actually, I just give one shout out to um, the the sheriff or the the lawman, uh, the base oh, yeah. Sweeves, who, who had the line like they because everyone called because <laughs> everyone called Rufus the devil, and he's just like, <laughs> he's not a devil. The devil's white. It's like okay, well, <laughs> so I just uh, again, I liked his not very subtle, Mm. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, always plays that well. that character, some kind of authority uh, character. But then he had a bit of give because he does let Nat do some illegal stuff. But you know, great, good, and and all that. So yeah, we have a lot of themes: some upfront, uh, some sort of subtle or hidden in between, like comedic bits. And one of the Western tropes is this idea of changing of times and. I feel, I mean, I'm not an expert in, in Western films, but I feel sometimes it's the protagonist that feels that time is moving away from them. Uh, in this case, I've, I felt it from Rufus, who is in prison for a long time. I can't remember how long exactly, but, and he kind of comes out and he wants to turn things back to the way things were and like time's moving on. So we kind of get a bit of that. But then to the point about this being a film that highlights societal challenges. So you have like you saw when they travel to the white town of uh, Maysville to to rob the bank, they're laughed at when asked to withdraw money. Um, but then you also have the idea of like redlining where you have a white town and that's where all the white people are. And then you have black people in, in this area, which again is something in most particularly in, in uh, the US that it was slash is a thing in terms of like where certain people are uh, allowed to call home and then one of the un yeah, underlying themes of this the idea of like never ending cycle of violence full stop but then you could also add in the black community because this is a predominantly black cast where essentially rufus commits an act of violence because he's witnessed an act of violence and then that inspires nat to then <laughs> go on a life of revenge and, and violence in that and you have that cycle that continues until someone breaks it but violence begets more violence and it's a yeah it's quite a a sad one but i feel that's something that was underlying in in everything about this film i don't know what you thought about that um i didn't really think about it <laughs> to be honest. okay was that just me <laughs> overthinking it maybe all right <laughs> just me then uh, any final thoughts? One of the things that I found when watching uh, the film is how there were constant power shifts in scenes where one a scene ended with one character thinking they had the power only to have it switch. Usually, 
on one end of a gun uh, or the other. But I don't know if anyone else noticed that where they were, uh, like even from the, the very first scene where you kind of felt everything's okay until Rufus enters and suddenly the power shifts or things like we mentioned Coffee and uh, Cherokee Bill um, where sort of the power shifted or even when Nat is first ambushed when they return the money or they, uh, they're seemingly returning the money and then he's ambushed by Cherokee Bill who's then ambushed by Jim Beckworth. It's like there's constant power shifts in scenes which I thought was quite interesting the way that developed but yeah I don't know if anyone else noticed that or is anything else that left an impact on you in this story I don't know if I noticed it but I when you're saying it I think it was kind of a good device to keep us interested yeah because it always kept things turning uh, like someone got the upper hand or yeah just things shifted and you it just added to that that tension yeah like no, you're saying it as well. I know it's it. But can we just take a moment to recognize Mary's growing business and like how cool that was and that she's just like known yeah. to have all these saloons. Saloons, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a good entrepreneur mm-hmm. story there. Again, just showing the, the different sort of faces of, of blackness. I, I really do appreciate that in this film and when films get a chance to show, not just for black characters, but for you know any other and they can show a, a variety because every other has a variety it's not just uh, the one type of of person so yeah we see a successful businesswoman uh in this film uh, and she can shoot as well so she got that too i guess that's how she made the business probably because that's how everyone seems yeah. to was she like that. the second to all partner to that in their little gang yeah. before she started her she business was. as well Oh, yeah, weak? that's a good point. I guess that's the whole thing. Like isn't it? Are there any weak characters? Uh, Wiley. <laughs> Wiley Esco. Uh, not like physically weak. Like Yeah, I'd say he's he's a weak character. Because he has the what his introduction is when he's because they have it the camera like zoomed in and he's given that talk to Rufus and he's like, Yeah, listen here, this is how it's gonna go and da 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 and it zooms out and he's just like eating steak practicing. Oh, <laughs> and then yeah, he was yeah. doing that. I was thinking oh, for once this man is playing a serious role. I was like, well, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. And then it Americans always eat steak without any sides. And it really, it's really upset me. Like, they brought the cartoons. So why would you eat steak without sides? That is a fair question. That's, that's a actually lot, a good question. Especially in the, like, in the cartoons. They just have a big steak on the plate no greens no chips yeah. or no just straight yeah. to the point just... but yeah I, th- I thought there was i still thought there was worth in his character i think probably added a bit to rufus's because they were once friends and he felt betrayed mm. by him but he let him go he let him live so maybe that was that was adding a little bit of there are some kind of morals within rufus deep down somewhere because you also saw that at the end where he was just like kill me so i wouldn't say he was a weak character oh you mean weak character in terms of like letting the narrative down yeah, not weak yeah, within the yeah. story oh okay okay no I, th- I thought everyone yeah i think everyone fit i don't think mm. there was it's a good film <laughs> it's, it's a good film so yeah that is our discussion on the heart of they fall like let us know what you think did you also agree or did you think there was way too much violence, but secretly probably enjoyed the violence and would have directed the violence had you been there? 
at that time, not naming any names. Anyway, before we wrap up, let's give this week's storytelling tip. Each time we do a deep dive on the podcast, I like to pull out a storytelling tip for others to consider when making their stories. So this is a consideration from someone who also creates stories and likes to learn from the techniques or mistakes of others. So this tip is about developing a good obstacle character. And it's something we've kind of already spoken about. So it's not necessarily a mistake, just something that crossed my mind. So I thought I'd investigate a little bit more. In a story, the obstacle character is a key element because they provide the counterpoint to the protagonist's worldview, their goals or their personality and push them towards growth and change. So when executed properly, the obstacle character can add depth and complexity to your story, which makes it more engaging for the obvious, for the audience. But if the obstacle character is not well-crafted, it can result in a weak and uninteresting story. Looking at how it's done in The Harder They Fall, and I think the way we've spoken about it, it, it made sense what they've done and why they've done it. But again, just it got me thinking about it in general. So we have this revenge story with a protagonist with a clear motivation and worldview. But because our antagonist Rufus is largely unseen throughout the film, we don't get to see the conflict that would have arise when one worldview pushes up against another. And Rufus definitely has his own motivations that are driving his actions from the first scene all the way to the last. Uh, the problem is the audience doesn't necessarily know what they are. So because not enough of his motivations are made clear, we don't get a chance to see him play a strong obstacle character and challenge the worldview of the protagonist, which again, it's kind of how they decided to do it and it probably works for them. But in general, keeping the beliefs and motivation of your obstacle character can be paid to good effect. The risk is that you lose the opportunity to have your protagonist challenged and miss part of the growth and change journey that can really invest an audience in your story. So a good example of a well-crafted obstacle character uh, is Magneto in the X-Men. So Magneto's beliefs in mutants' superiority uh, conflict with Professor X's dream of a world where mutants and humans can live together in harmony. That means Magneto's actions not only physically challenge the X-Men, but challenge their beliefs and force them to consider if their methods are really the best way to achieve their goals. Your obstacle character can also be used to explore philosophical complex concepts and themes. So in Death Note, we see a battle of wits between protagonist Light Yagami and his obstacle character L. And it's fascinating exploration of morality and justice, which challenges the audience to also consider what is right and wrong. One of my favorites is the use of the obstacle character in Prince Zuko in The Avatar, The Last Airbender amazing story. And Zuko there starts out as the antagonist, hunting down the protagonist Aang. But over the course of the series, Zuko undergoes a transformation and one of the best redemption stories in any medium, anywhere. Uh, I challenge anyone to challenge me on that. Uh, so he becomes one of the show's most complex and beloved characters. So his journey is intertwined with Aang's, but he also has his own arc that is just as interesting, at least as interesting as that of Aang's. So, like I said, in The Heart of Day 4, we do have that opportunity miss because of the decisions to have that twist at the end. So we don't see Rufus challenge the worldview of Nat. I'm a big fan of exploring themes in stories, and especially with one so relevant to the times, could have been something that could have added something a little extra if it was done a little different. But here are four things to consider 
when crafting your own obstacle character. So number one, make sure the obstacle character's motivations are clear and understandable. So this doesn't mean everything is known at the beginning. There's still room for layers and reveals, but the audience should know on some level what the obstacle character, who is often the antagonist, wants. Um, so another example is Scar in The Lion King, who serves as the obstacle character to Simba. Scar wants the throne, and his manipulative actions challenge Simba and ultimately driving him to confront Scar and claim his rightful place as king. Number two is create a relationship between the obstacle character and the protagonist that is complex and dynamic. So the link between the two can really elevate the story and create something compelling to watch or experience, read, watch, play. Uh, so similar to Zuko, Vegeta in Dragon Ball Z starts off as an antagonist, but over time becomes an obstacle character to Goku, who is a protagonist. So Vegeta's pride and desire for power conflicts with Goku's easygoing nature. And Vegeta's evolution from villain to rival challenges Goku to become stronger and more skilled in order to overcome him or just show him up when he does that too. Number three is use the obstacle character to explore themes and concepts that are relevant to the story. So this is one of my favorite uses of the obstacle character and one that I feel is maybe missed in this film. So going back to X-Men, Magneto's beliefs are rooted in the same place as Charles, but just more extreme, which makes him formidable and quite dangerous. They do want the same thing, but Magneto's presence forces the X-Men and so the audience to consider whether this peaceful approach to a uh, mutant human relations is truly effective. And number four is give the obstacle character agency and their own arc rather than just using them as a plot device. So it should be just as interesting to watch the obstacle character go on their journey as it is the protagonist. Another example is in uh, The Terminator where Sarah Connor is the obstacle character to the Terminator who serves as the protector of her son John. And Sarah's distrust and fear of technology which might be well-placed given where AI is at the moment, um, as well as her own trauma from her past experiences with the first Terminator, challenges this one's programming to protect John at all costs. And through their interactions, the Terminator learns about humanity and empathy and becomes more human-like. So yeah, it's an important role in the story, regardless of the medium, using that obstacle character to challenge the protagonist and force them to grow and change and hopefully making for a more compelling story. Uh, let us know if you are creating your own story. If you've used that type of character and have any tips of your own, send us an email, feedback at myamada.com or drop something in our Discord. Uh, so that's the tip for this episode, Tazzy. Let's check in with our guests and find out what they are up to. Yeah, so we'd like to get some more details on the latest thing that our guests are up to. So, Lara Lee, do you want to let us know what you've got going on at the moment? Um, well, everybody, I think I say this every single time, but it was ITV Hub before, but everyone sign up to ITVX. There's a lot more that we offer on there. I don't know why I always promote ITV, because they don't want me enough. <laughs> but actually, we've got quite a few, a few things on there. Um, the stop motion film that I watched that I mentioned at the beginning is on the, uh, which I'm going to watch um, I think we're, we're doing channels now so there's an anime channel on there now so. wait you got an anime channel <laughs> anime channel sounds interesting <laughs> I'm sure a lot yeah <laughs> I feel like that's going to be uh, with that. yeah <laughs> um, I'm on the page now <laughs> like literally right now oh you got Guren Lagan. That is one of my favorites. Sorry, I'm like I'm distracted by <laughs> like where do I sign up? 
<laughs> you heard it here. There's a anime channel on ITVX, uh, so you can you can go can go watch. <laughs> we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll get from me or Nigel something that we're watching on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we will. Cool. I'm just like, can you favorite things? Anyway, oh, let me come back to that. Um, <laughs> so, thank you, Lowly, for uh, not just for letting us know about the existence of anime on another streaming platform, but just for uh, you know the past couple of hours. <laughs> when I opened with a stupid observation about film. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> which we will definitely keep in in the edit. <laughs> well, thanks. It's been fun. Cool. All right. No, I appreciate it. Um, and yeah, if you are still listening to this, it must mean that you appreciate it or your stop button is broken on whatever device you're listening. Either way, if you enjoyed the episode, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating and review because that helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. You can also check out our own stories on the My Meta website. So we've got a number of titles available, including the latest series through the fog, pretty much all of them from the very first Samurai Chef as well. Uh, you can also join the Studio 77 Discord community and check out the new Studio 77 membership when it comes. It's on its way for exclusive access to My Meta video content, comics, um, and events, tickets to events that come up as well. A lot of those events are going to be part of the Do I Look Like a Gamer video game representation campaign, which is now a yearly initiative. And it's something we launched last year to let future generations of diverse talent know that there's a place for them in the industry and the wider culture. So we want to empower them to be an active part of shaping the future of the video games industry. So we're going to be launching this in April and have a bunch of plans in store. So as we're just having meetings about it, uh, today so it's very exciting stuff that is coming um, we're going to start with our photo campaign featuring 40 players and makers and then go from there so keep an eye out for news on that and uh, how to get involved uh, as well lots of uh, things to be announced in the coming weeks and months and as for the podcast we release new episodes on thursdays and those include creator interviews video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture you can always give us a shout directly our email address is feedback at myamada.com and our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story so thank you for tuning in and until next time stay safe and uh, put some sides on your steak like what's happening people at least season your steaks as well take that with you enjoy your meals and take care everyone Thank you.